WBT Production presents Horshruba, Episode 2, A Stranger in the Library, Part 2. The Arabian soldier awoke. He stood and took in his surroundings. It was an open, empty space of pure white. Immediately, a sense of confusion overtook him. He reached for his sword. Still there, he withdrew it and started forward. He walked and walked and walked. A high-pitched laughter filled the space. The soldier stopped turned in every direction in an effort to find its origin. The laughter grew louder. The soldier shouted, hoping to draw out his tormentor. It went silent. He took a few steps forward when it returned. Behind him, close. He spun about, his sword slicing the empty air. Once more, he screamed. His rage overtook him as he continued to attack the open air. Soon, he tired, his energy spent battling nothing. A single word. The soldier's anger rose once more. He raced about the chamber. Again, he lashed out at random. Again and again. He was nearing the point of exhaustion, but he pressed on, more so out of anger than hope. He lashed out a final time, then went still. He panted in an effort to regain himself. He lowered his sword. There was a sound, a wind, slight yet distinct. Was he near escape? Instantly, he readied himself. He knew it was not over simply a distraction. He turned, ready for battle. The sound became louder. He glanced about. Nothing. Louder and louder. He turned about in a full circle. And then he saw it. A swirling wind visible to the eye. For the first time it occurred to him, he was not within the natural world. The wind continued to enlarge. He took steps back, not sure how to proceed. How could one fight the wind? The wind took on a reddish tint that soon overwhelmed it. It was as if ablaze. It began to move directly toward him. He positioned himself ready for battle. But there was something about this thing, something from the recesses of his mind, a story told to him as a child. It was almost upon him when he remembered one of the many stories told to him by his father, creatures unnatural to this world, of fire and wind, a djinn. As if in response, the thing stopped and smiled. This was the only way he could describe it. He turned, took but a few steps when he was grabbed from behind. He tried to break free but found himself paralyzed. He screamed, this time in fear.
It was the last emotion he would experience before the thing devoured him. Amaral watched from behind his protective veil. It was better than he had hoped. The djinn was ruthless, brutal. There was only one problem. It could not be controlled. Once unleashed, there was nothing he could do to stop it. He could not even recall it. If used in battle against the humans, it would soon overtake the human lands. And perhaps even the Ruakali itself. He stepped from the veil and was now within his personal chamber. Awaiting him was his second. He approached Amaral, taking his robes. Amaral replaced it with one lighter, more ornate. They left his chambers and headed down a long hall. Neither spoke. Amaral held out his hand. He opened to reveal a tiny flame. It danced about his palm, its indistinct form shaping itself. It was a kingdom. The flame spread itself across his hand. The kingdom was soon joined by two others. One took its place in the south, the others east and west. These were the humans' kingdoms. In the east, China. The west, Europe. But it was the southern one that Amaral placed his attention upon. Two humans stood on either side of the kingdom-shaped flame, men. The first was older, yet held a strong dignity. A name flashed into Amaral's mind, a Persian king, Khosrow. He looked to the second, smaller, features grown hard by a life of struggle. This one was Arabic, Abu Talib. They turned to each other. Each raised a sword, flew forward, and vanished. War. How delightful. He waved his other hand across the first. It all disappeared. The second looked up at Amaral. In every battle there is a victor, and with him, an army. This is of no concern. Kingdoms fall, others rise. He placed his hand upon the second's cheek. Which fate do you think will be ours? Amaral removed his hand. The queen demands our presence, and we must not disappoint her. Kopala and his men entered the dark forest nearly one half hour ago and had yet to encounter any form of life. Seemingly, even the insects had gone silent. Their journey had been completed in an instant. They had entered from within the nearby river through a portal drawn straight from Hoshruba. Such was the way they traveled, as it protected them from any unwanted encounters. They were, after all, 
a society built on secrets. Listen to me closely. You must watch over each other. No Hasrubian has entered this land before. The rumors you have heard about this place are true indeed. Savages dwell in the dark forest. You are not welcome here. Our race is not welcome here. After a quick survey of their position, Kopala and his men had entered the forest. These two were among his best. Soldiers skilled in both magic and steel. Quiet. What really is hell? This place is dangerous. And yet, these advantages seem to pale in light of their inexperience with their chosen terrain. This was a place completely alien to, well, everyone within Hoshruba. There was simply no reason to do so. Even the placement of the Forgotten Ones into the forest upon their birth had been done through automation. But Kopala knew this was all merely pretense for the true reason. Was there not a single Hoshrubian soul that felt nothing but disgust for this place? Kopala realized just how much this was ground into their emotional beings. However, this fact did not excuse one of the cardinal rules of the warrior, which was to know your terrain. To ignore this had led an army headfirst into disaster. They halted, once more taking note of their position. Creating a map of the forest was only one of their tasks. But this task felt wasted, as the forest appeared to be nothing more than unkept foliage. But such places teemed with life. Do not use magic unless I give my consent. We are here to investigate, not to conquer. Their second task, their main goal, was to capture a Denzian of this place in order that they might gain some intelligence regarding the incident behind their walls. They had planned on some type of resistance, however slight. But this, it was something for which they were not prepared. And this was the event that would prove to be their undoing. They moved deeper and deeper into the forest. Do not let your bare skin touch a leaf of any kind. Leaves can be poisonous and inflict painful sores. Their movement had grown slower as the ground below had grown thick with vegetation. This task had taken the full of their attention. And this is where it had all gone wrong. It was over in less than an instant. The first man, still moving forward, had simply vanished. Kopala was taken back. How? But when the same thing occurred to the second man, he knew what had occurred. Both men had been pulled beneath the underground. But before he could ponder as to how this occurred, Kopala knew he was soon to share their fate. He launched himself skyward, settling into one of the many trees that loomed over them. His soldier's mind kicked in. He had to make his way back to the river the only area so far to provide them with an equal footing. He began to move from tree to tree. This was a retreat, 
but only a temporary one. Cass lay against the wall within Luca's chamber. Despite the warning, he had considered an attempt to escape, but then he remembered that creature. Cass finally decided to sleep. Perhaps when he woke, all this would be a delusion. Or maybe he had drowned after all, and this was a test given to him in the afterlife before he could be reborn. On your feet, human. Cass looked up to see Luca standing over him. Their eyes met as Cass rose up. Luca considered the young man for a moment. There seemed nothing unusual about him, thought Luca. Just another human. But his examination was far from over. Cass watched as Luca stared at him, not a word from his lips. This is insane. I need to know. The look in your eyes tells me that you think you are dead. Do you think you are dead, boy? I... Luca clapped his hands, releasing a flash of light followed by a darkness black as pitch. All sound vanished. Cass felt himself become lighter than air. He was drifting. No, he was floating. Luca stared at Cass. He was ready. Luca closed his eyes. Images entered his mind. Memories. Cass's memories. A campfire, its flames nearly gone. It was surrounded by a small group of children, both boys and girls. A young man stood just outside their circle. He was tall, complexion dark and possessing a commanding presence. He held the children's full attention as he spoke to them with exaggerated expressions and body language. A story. He was telling them a story. Luca considered the children, one of the boys. It was Cass. Not only was his attention focused on the man like the others, there was something else in his eye. Pride. This man, his father. Luca searched for a name. Art. No, this memory, inconsequential. He dug further. The boy was now a young man. The resemblance to his father was apparent. He was thinner, his hair a lighter shade, but there the difference ended. In his hand, he held a sword. He was breathing heavy as he moved in a circle. He paused, then suddenly thrust forward with his blade. It was blocked by another, this one held by Art. He countered the boy's attack, disarming him with little effort. Cass paused. He kicked at the dirt. Art looked at the boy. He smiled. Better! But not good enough. Art did not reply. He retrieved the boy's sword. Threw it back to him. Cass smiled, his lesson beginning anew. Luca took a moment. The father, 
the strength of emotion Cass feels. But Luca dismissed it. This was a common emotion amongst the human males. Affection of the father by the son. There was a strength in it, but not the type sought by Luca. He continued on. Another memory grew clear. Strange, thought Luca. He's resisting. Luca's interest grew. He's resisting. Perhaps here. Of course, it may have been nothing more than an attempt by the boy's willpower to remove him. Indeed, there was a strength to this boy. Nothing compared to a wizard. But for a human, impressive. Luca cast aside Cass's effort at resistance. The memory now lay before him. A meal. Five places. Cass and his father. Another boy. A friend. No, a servant. Male. Around Cass's age. There was a sense of friendship between he and Cass, but only slight. These humans, thought Luca, their emotions seemed to be treasured above all else. Emotions had their place. Luca himself never utilized them, to be sure, but they were useful in certain situations. But in place of logic and reason, nonsense. Two more humans entered the scene. Females. The first was his mother. That was obvious. She brought with her food a number of dishes. Cass and the others smiled. There was such warmth here, so unlike Cass's other memories. Ones both above the surface and below. Once more, a common state of the lower beings. Their lives demanded it, strange in a way. Despite their need for strength in order to survive, they would allow so much emotion to rule their lives. One could make a lifetime study of these creatures. But Luca's intellectual curiosity was distracting him. He turned back to the scene. The second female, young, near to that of Cass. Beautiful, a trait prized among the humans. And something else, a flicker, perhaps. A wave of darkness fell over the scene but not brought on through resistance. This was more primal and very, very strong. Sorrow, projected from Cass to the sister. No, not to the sister, for the sister. Her name was Ziva. Luca opened his eyes. Frustrating, he thought. He stepped back, releasing Cass from his spell. Was that all his efforts would yield? No, there was something more. The girl was another piece of this puzzle. This he knew, but not the only one. In truth, he felt an urge to dismiss any further speculation upon this problem. After all, what could it possibly yield? 
Of what impact would anything to do with humanity have upon Hashruba? He ought to just destroy Cass and be done with it. But such was not Luca's way. One never knew when something so small might transform into something of significance. Luca smiled. No, this boy would live, and he would discover his secret. For such was the way of Luca. On the next episode... Zeba drew water from the well, one of the many jobs forced upon her by the women of the Arabian camp. It was hidden well, somewhere south of the Persian Empire. She then thought of Cass. He had gone hunting some time ago, but she had not seen him return from his hunt. She noticed the small crowd. They were gathered at the edge of the camp. She peered through the gap to see someone upon the ground. It was Cass. Cass! He spoke before slipping into unconsciousness. Queen Adara rose from her bath and crossed the room to retrieve her robe. She looked back at Amaru. You are looking at me. Of course. How else would I address my queen? It was not a gap as she had expected, but rather a translucency, a shifting haze inset within the wall of solid color. She placed her hand over the patch. She turned to Amaral. Cold. Come, place your hand upon it. In contrast to the fiery wall beyond, and if this fade were to continue, the closer we'd be drawn back to Hashruba. Will it grow? He was so close. No more than a few feet, it seemed. Stay back! Kopala lashed out with his blade, nearly severing the head of the first attacker. Two more forgotten ones lunged at Kopala from the right. Come and die, then! Kopala thought he may have been slipping into delusion upon hearing the voice. He had never heard a forgotten one speak. You speak Hashrubian? This has been Hashruba, Episode 2, A Stranger in the Library. Part 2. Created by WBT Productions. Written by Brent Beebe. Produced by Farouk Shah Khan. Directed by Elio Rep Hernandez. Sound mixer and sound editor, Jeff Alvarez. Sound recordist, Jensen Young. Sound mixer, post sound, and sound editor for credits, Sophie Huang. Narrated by Darren Johnson. Voiceover artists, Nabil Ahwad as the Arabian soldier, Zergog Tobar as Amiral, Jonathan Lacosto as the second, Jeffrey Gilbert as General Kapala, Nima Yazdani as Cass, Bruce Kaplan as Luca, Steve Gray as Art, Extra Voices by Jensen Young, Credits Voice by Steve Gray. Stay tuned for Hoshruba Episode 3, The Forgotten Ones. <laughs>